Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. The Philippine government plans to build a mega vaccination center at the government's 9.5 hectare facility in Paranaque City to help deal with this uh, surging at cases in COVID-19 here in the Philippines. But the controversy, uh, a controversy has erupted leading to the resignation of the executive director of the Nayong Pilipino Foundation. Later in the program, we'll speak with the executive director and go deep into the issue regarding the reasons, both legal and environmental, on this matter. First, the news. Malacanang floats the possibility of a looser quarantine level for the greater Manila area by the middle of this month. But Health Secretary Francisco Duque III says, while the healthcare utilization in the national capital region went down, it remains under high-risk classification at 51%. Duque also notes that Metro Manila's two-week growth rate is under moderate-risk classification after decreasing to negative 39. The Philippines on Monday logged over 6,000 new COVID-19 cases, 90 additional deaths, and more than 8,000 new recoveries. Joining us now is Dr. Professor Guido David of the Okta Research Group. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program. Hi, good morning, Christian. Okay, so let's start with this uh, with the latest data coming from Okta Research Group. Uh, what do they say? Are we ready to relax the quarantine restrictions after May 14? Well, what we're seeing, Christian, is um, several of the indicators are trending in the right direction. So the number of uh, cases per day on average, the seven-day average in NCR, is actually 1,930. So uh, it's already less than, we're already averaging less than 2,000 cases per day in the NCR. So although some people uh, feel that the national numbers have not really decreased that much, although they have decreased, the decrease in the NCR is very significant. It's actually 65% lower compared to the peak of the surge. So uh, in, in fact, in some LGUs, uh, the decrease from the peak is already uh, above 80%. So um, definitely the number of cases is, uh, is trending in the right direction. The reproduction number is 0 0.65, so it's less than one. It's been stable at less than one. And the positivity rate has de uh, decreased to 14%. So these are also uh, very good indicators. The positivity rate is a strong indicator of downward trend. And in fact, um, even hospital utilization has decreased less than um, hospital utilis bed utilizations less than 60% and uh, ICU utilizations less than 70%. So um, of course, uh, the virus is still there in, in NCR. Um, but what we're saying is that the, the trend has uh, improved significantly and um, well, we're not recommending uh, easing of restrictions per se. Uh, what we're saying is that we support the decision of the national government. Um, of course, it's actually the decision of the national government, I mean, to make uh, whether to extend MECQ or to uh, ease restrictions to GCQ, for example, or yeah. retain MECQ, but um, ease some restrictions. So there are several options uh, available. What we're saying is that um, uh, the conditions right now are, uh, you know, are, are suitable or acceptable for a possible easing of restrictions. But if we do ease restrictions, our recommendation is maybe uh, is to do it gradually and um, calibrated. If we do ease restrictions, we should do it uh, gradually and calibrated. Um, we might well, also, yeah, we might also uh, recommend um, uh, extending the bubble at least. The, the concept of the bubble is very important. 
Okay, when you say gradual uh, easing of the restrictions, so what exactly do you mean? Well, uh, we can increase capacity slowly. You know, uh, for example, in some establishments, we could increase capacities from. Uh, I mean, I'm just throwing some yeah, um, yeah. numbers. Some proposals, rate, right? So, like for example, from 10% to 20% or 10% to 30%. What we don't want to do is open up uh, everything. You know, instantly, because we might uh, see what we saw in the resort in Kalookan become common. So we don't want that to happen. So we we want people to still be following health uh, restrictions, health guidelines, because these are very important. And if we open up everything, uh, the the possible message is that everything's okay, and uh, you know people might start to become complacent again. I mean, we we have to remind people, um, viewers, listeners, that the variants are still spreading, and we don't even know if um, the Indian variant is here. But we're we're hoping it's not yet here. But uh, regardless, the um, South African variants and UK variants are still spreading here. And uh, we are hoping to receive a, uh, well, we're already in the process of receiving um, huge uh, masses of uh, vaccines um, this week and maybe, you know, within the coming months. Would it be, and, mm, would it be better to extend further the current um, COVID-19 restrictions in place, for example, in Metro Manila and the nearby provinces until the, uh, the mass vaccination actually takes place, meaning much more uh, vaccines are made available and uh, more people are in fact inoculated. I think they're looking at June. Well, if, if we're definitely going to be um, getting a lot of vaccines by June, I mean, that is definitely a uh, possible recourse that we could wait until we get the mass vaccinations. Because when we have a surge together with, uh, you know, occurring at the same time as we're vaccinating people, that would complicate the vaccination process because, you know, uh, uh, we have to uh, make logistic uh, adjustments. So um, that that is definitely a possibility, but uh, we just are not certain if we will get the vaccines that, you know, we're expecting. Sometimes we get delays in the vaccine rollout. So those are also points for consideration. Okay, so just uh, just to clarify things, you're not making any formal recommendation, but based on the numbers, we might be ready for right. a gradual easing of restrictions. And we might uh, perhaps explore or keep the possibility of, uh, of having a bubble in Metro Manila and nearby provinces. That's correct. Mm -hmm. But uh, have we done enough? Uh, example, the national government and the local government units, uh, let's say in terms of putting up uh, COVID-19 infrastructure, uh, providing more vaccines to the people to be able to keep to, to make sure at least that we would be able to prevent another surge in case that the uh, restrictions are relaxed later on well to, uh, to be honest I'm not uh, uh, I don't have all the information if we have scaled up or how much we have scaled up our contact tracing for example because contact tracing is uh, one of our weakest um, links <clears throat> um, well, uh, we have, um, you know, in a way, uh, expanded capacity for uh, back, uh, sorry, um, testing, um, but we're not sure if we have sufficient testing for a, another surge. Uh, we have assessed that actually in one of our papers, 
wherein we evaluated surge capacities. Um, I, I know that we have scaled up hospital beds, and so that's one area where we know that or we can see the, the improvements. Uh, I believe that they have scaled up testing in the form of antigen testing. Uh, but, but I can't really comment on if we have scaled up sufficiently enough because I, I don't have that information. Okay. Now, uh, among LGUs in Metro Manila and the nearby provinces, which are the areas of concern, quote-unquote, for based on the data that you're have, uh, getting? Well, in the NCR, um, the trends are generally stable. Some uh, LGUs are decreasing faster than others, or some have improved more considerably compared to others. For example, um, uh, Navotas and Malabon. Uh, Navotas has already... Uh, it, it could already be downgraded to moderate risk, and while the rest are still high risk or borderline high risk. Um, uh, and Manila and Pasay and um, Malaban have are also uh, increased, uh, improved significantly. But for um, outside NCR, we're still seeing an increase in cases in Puerto Princesa, uh, in Bacolod, in Zamboanga City, uh, and there may be a few other... Cagayan uh, Oro, I think. Cagayan uh, yes, yes. Cagayan Oro, we're seeing a significant increase in cases. So we just need to monitor these uh, areas. Uh, the numbers are still not very, very high, but uh, the trend is uh, concerning. Uh, we won't say that it's alarming yet, but uh, we definitely have to monitor these areas. What exactly are, is driving the surge in these uh, cities? Well, uh, again, um, we don't have um, information on the ground in these cities. Uh, it's possible that um, variants are driving the surges in these cities, um, especially in the case of Puerto Princesa. We've been monitoring the cities um, for more than one year now. We've, we've never seen a surge in Puerto Princesa. And this is a scale, I mean, this is not insignificant because they're now averaging 60 cases per day. That's actually more than Pasay City is averaging right now. So um, again, we're not sure what is driving it, um, but uh, for sure what we want to happen is to have stricter border implementations. Um, you know, we understand opening up tourism uh, industries, but uh, we should have some checks in place uh, to monitor if people are bringing, you know, viruses to these areas. Yeah, and again, uh, contact tracing is a very um, uh, concerning aspect in our COVID-19 uh, pandemic response, right? So, for example, even if we get to control the situation in Metro Manila and even in those four areas that you mentioned, I, I think the, 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 big, the, the, the problem that would persist is that whether other areas won't be seeing a similar surge in the future. That's, that's correct, Christian. And um, uh, as we're saying, um, the, the trends are looking good right now, but it doesn't mean that the trends are not reversible. They can be reversed if we are not careful, if we let our guards down like before. That's why we have to proceed uh, very carefully. If we are going to ease restrictions, let's do it gradually. Let's keep the bubble. Um, let's uh, um, expand our capacities in testing and contact tracing, as you mentioned. Okay. Finally, as a way of ending this interview, this conversation, kindly uh, give the people, even the government officials, some last-minute reminders because, again, uh, the fact that uh, the numbers are improving might give the wrong impression that it's, it's okay for us to, to relax our own personal adherence to protocols already. Right. And uh, 
you know, Christian and uh, to everyone, you know, listening or viewing, we were actually in in a dire situation in the NCR because we our attack rate was as high as 40. And this is already comparable to attack rates that we're seeing in uh, other uh, countries like in India, for example. Um, although in many areas there, the, the attack rate is even higher. But what we're saying is that we were actually in a situation that was um, very critical. And we uh, were able to uh, escape that situation um, by working together. And we have to keep working at it together because uh, one mistake and we could be back in that situation. And we don't want that to happen. That's why we have to continue working together. Um, uh, we understand strengthening the, or you know, starting to, starting the recovery process for the economy. Um, let's do that. But we need the vaccines to fully accelerate economic recovery. So we need the vaccines. We need, again, to scale up our infrastructure for testing and contact tracing. And for the people, let's understand that, you know, we're all in this together. What we do really matters. We have to help each other. So we have to follow strictly the health guidelines. There are already laws in place that if we don't wear face masks, we could get, you know, um, some kind of, uh, uh, well, we could, uh, well, we could get penalties for that. So yeah. let's just follow the health guidelines and then prevent spreading of the virus because that will hasten our recovery from this surge. Okay. Professor Guido David, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Thank you so much. Good morning. Malacanang Defense plans to build a large COVID-19 vaccination center at the Nayong Pilipino property. The Nayong Pilipino Foundation is opposing the idea as it would mean cutting down some 500 ipil ipil trees. And they say it would take decades for the ecosystem to recover once the trees are cut down. But Palace spokesman Harry Roque insists the Nayong Pilipino Foundation must first prioritize the health of the Filipino people. Pero ang panawagan po natin sa board ng, uh, na ng uh, Nayong Pilipino, ito na naman po, no? lahat po ng GOCC nasa ilalim pa rin ng supervision ng ating presidente. At sana naman ang mga desisyon nila ay eh, huwag uh, kokontra doon sa uh, napakahalagang misyon na pangalagaan ng buhay ng ating mga kababayan. Yung pagtatayo po ng uh, mega vaccination facility dyan sa Nayong Pilipino, yan po ay pursuant to inherent police powers ng uh, ating presidente at yan naman po ay para sa uh, itaguyo ng karapatan ng kalusugan ng lahat. Vaccine Chief Carlito Galvez Jr. also emphasizes the urgent need for the vaccination center, saying it or saying with it, government will be able to inoculate around 10,000 people daily. Galvez is now calling on the Nayong Pilipino Foundation to sign the memorandum of agreement so that construction for the site can begin immediately. Joining us now for a discussion on this is uh, Attorney Lucille Karen Malilong Isberto, the former or the resigned executive director of the Nayong Pilipino Foundation. Good morning, ma'am, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning. Thanks for the invitation. Okay, first, let's set the record straight. Uh, based on the narrative that is prevailing now, the Nayong Pilipino Foundation is opposing the building of a mega vaccination facility on the property uh, for environmental reasons. But what is the real reason? And are you even uh, opposed to the idea of having that mega vaccination facility there? That's not true. Actually, we gave our approval for the use of the land as a vaccination facility in April 8. Uh, what we ask is that 
we follow all the legal processes for use of the land under an emergency. So what happened was the proposal came from the private sector, ICTSI Foundation. So when you, the laws require that the use of public land should be public, which means that it should be a government agency running it. So in this case, we were waiting for DOH. Um, it would be illegal for Nayong Pilipino to give the land for free use to ICTSI Foundation on the basis of a mere letter and a YouTube video. So what we want is for the law to be followed, which means that the memorandum of agreement should be with the proper government agency and should be clear as to what exactly will be done in Nayong Pilipino. Isn't this clear uh, during the previous conversations that you guys have? That was very clear. Uh, there were concerns about the use of the land because under the executive order governing its use, it's meant to be a park. So there's the first issue. Can it be used as a vaccination center? Um, and then they said, pursuant to the emergency powers of the president, but that one needs to be documented. So where's the request from the Department of Health that it needs the land. That's what we were looking for, especially since during a meeting at the National Vaccination Operations Committee, the DOH signified that it was not asking for the land. So the second question is, can we allow the private sector to use it? And the use by the private sector for government land needs to uh, comply with so many laws, so none of which um, have been are in place. Should we treat that as an unsolicited proposal, for example? Uh, and that's why we've been we've written DOH, we've written and Secretary Galvez asking for details so that the proper MOA setting forth that the use of the land is for an emergency purpose are clear. Okay, so so basically, you have no problem with the uh, with the idea of using part of the Nayon Pilipino property for a vaccination center, no, but they need yes. to but they need to iron out the, the legal uh, issues and yes. to fix the MOA, the Memorandum yes. of Agreement. Yes. That is the point. Yes. But why didn't they do that, uh, as far as you know? I don't know. We've been writing them. We've asked the DOH, are you asking for our land? Can you sit down and write up the MOA? So it's not DOH that's doing that. We have not received an answer from them. So we're wondering where's this coming from and then why it's become about uh, it's, they're making it appear that we're against it because of the trees. Uh, we just wanted to point out that Nayong Pilipino land is within the buffer zone of a protected area. Environmental laws are still in place, and we still have the duty to comply with those environmental laws. So that's what we pointed out. If you're going to be building anything there, then let's go through the process of building within the buffer zone of a protected area. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has to meet all the legal requirements. Uh, Okay, but, but in this case, you made all these things clear to them during the meetings. Yes, that okay. was very clear. But and what, was, what was the response? Well, it was DOT that was uh, rushing us to um, enter into an agreement that DOT drafted. And we didn't understand why DOT was the one doing it when it's supposed to be DOH that's in charge of vaccination. And isn't, it because, asked, isn't it because you're under DOT? No, because Anayong Pilipino is an attached agency. The power of DOT over us is supervision, which where we follow the policy direction of the mother agency. Okay, but so attached to sa, sa chart. Okay. Yes, but it cannot, um, it does not exercise the power of control, which is to substitute its judgment uh, over that of the board. 
Yeah. Because normally, uh, people observing this issue might can easily think na what's the big problem? The, the, the government can exercise its uh, its police powers and basically compel a property uh, with the with a GOCC for use of vaccine for vaccination, right? So that is the the basic issue yeah, here. That's very clear to us. But there are documents that need to exist before that can be done. So a memorandum of agreement. Uh, from Nayon and then allowing the private sector uh, to use the land for free. I mean, imagine this is about seven hectares worth billions. And then we allow it to use for free just because of the claim that they're going to make a vaccination facility. That's not sufficient because mm -hmm. under the law, uh, the Board of Trustees has this duty of extraordinary diligence. So we need to ask. Um, so, for example, if you say police power, then perhaps the president can just issue an executive order and allow that. Then that's already outside the hands of the board. But mm. if you're going to make it an agreement, then we have to follow the law and ensure that the use of government property uh, is for um, a public use. Oh, so it seems the issue is sim uh, simple, right? So if they want to make use of that for vaccination, just uh, provide the proper paperwork. In this case, right. perhaps an executive order from the president. Is that I'd what you're better. saying? That, mm -hmm. that, that would have been faster if they did that before uh, instead of asking the board because the, the board has to rely on other documents to be able to say that all the requirements of law are met. So we requested these documents. For example, when Secretary Galvez wrote us, he said that it was pursuant to a partnership agreement between NTF and ICTSI. Mm -hmm. So we said, where's that agreement? Because if you write up a MOA, then you're going to say, whereas NTF has a partnership agreement, then we'll write that down. Then we'll put that uh, as part of the legal review because all contracts of GOCCs need to be submitted to the Office of the Government Corporate yeah. Council. Okay, so basically you're being, being careful because that's part of your job. So that later yes. on, if people would like to go after you, you would have the proper paperwork. Correct. Yes. Oh, because you in the Senate or the House. These things happen, definitely. Um, but how big is the facility really, the proposed facility? We have no idea. And that's also another thing. What do we put in the MOA where the only thing shown to us was a YouTube video? Uh, when that uh, was YouTube, first... YouTube video of what? Um, it's a YouTube video of a vaccination facility in the United States. And it looked like a parking lot. And that was supposedly the plan in uh, Nayong Pilipino. Uh, yes, and we thought, well, you know, it would be hard to convince the OGCC that we're agreeing uh, to give the land for free on the basis of a YouTube video. Okay, but are you asking for uh, a specific amount of, or a particular amount in exchange for the use of part of Nayong Pilipino? Was that well, part of the conversation? That's not allowed. We're only, the only reason we can allow this is it's being used pursuant to an emergency. So what's the yeah. proof that it's an emergency? Uh, we thought that that should be the DOH saying that your land is needed okay. uh, for vaccination. Because I want to get that out of the way because that's also part of the uh, conversation, especially online. involved But definitely there's none. We just wanted to fix all the paperwork. Yes. Okay. Yes, we now, just be clear. Yes. Why did you resign? Well, I don't like being rushed into doing things that are iffy. And I thought, you know, I want, when we met, when we first met the president, because this is the board that's the replacement of uh, the controversial landing board. Mm. Um, 
so he, he, he said, just follow the law and do the right thing. So we're just doing that. We want to make sure that all the laws are followed, especially in light of the history of Nayon uh, and all the scandals it was involved in. So we want strict compliance with all laws. Okay, uh, that's understandable. I remember that controversy. Uh, Nayon Filipino Foundation took a big hit regarding that. Basically, the, the board was wiped out, I understand. Yes. Afterward, okay. Now, how would you respond to this comment coming from um, Enrique Rezon, the, the tycoon, uh, as reported by the Philippine Daily Inquirer? He described you guys as idiots for for opposing this, supposedly. Well, you know, he can call us whatever he wants. We just want to follow the law. And this is what uh, this controversy is about. We follow the law. Use of land uh, by the private sector is not allowed. We're waiting for the DOH to say that it needs the land. And then we'll execute the proper MOA. Or, of course, the president can always issue an executive order, and then that would be the end of it. There's no need for a MOA anymore. So, in short, you cannot deal directly, for example, with the ICTSI Foundation for no, temporary use of this facility. That's not allowed. Okay. Now, uh, what's the truth about the, the concern that a part or a big part of the opposition coming from, uh, from you? and your fellow members of the board uh, that this might lead to the abrupt cutting of trees, around 500 if I'm not mistaken. Yes, because... Is, uh, is, that, is that part of the plan really, uh, during the conversations that you had? Well, actually, the number came from the contractor of Mr. Razon. They were the ones tagging the trees because even before uh, earlier, because they already wanted Nayon to apply for tree cutting permits. So that's how we found out about that number. Our position has always been um, it's part of the buffer zone of a protected area. Um, mm. So which means we comply with all the environmental laws that uh, are present. But so, so definitely that was part of the concerns that uh, a, a good number of trees would, be, would have to be cut down to give way to this vaccination facility. Yes, that's, that's also a concern because uh, who cuts down trees? in the middle of a pandemic in a city with no more green and open spaces. So that was a concern. And that was also raised by the architect of Mr. Razon, who said that, you know, this is going to be a very difficult public issue if they discover that 500 trees will be cut. And we also thought that um, Nayon, as a steward of the environment and and which describes its mission as celebrating cultural and natural heritage, that would be contrary to its beliefs, right? If uh, we allowed, just like that, a cutting of trees. But again, as you pointed out, this is an emergency. And if it's the president's decision to cut down all these trees, then that's his decision. But uh, as the board, uh, well, we just need to follow the law, which is buffer zone of a protected area. Then let's do whatever needs to be done with the DENR. Mm, because part of the debate now is that why would you uh, withhold from cutting even a big number of trees when human lives are at stake? That's um, sinasabi, di ba? But but is the proposition really that simple, or there's another way? Uh, well, DOH. It was DOH that actually pointed out that it didn't need the facility because it didn't see the point of building and cutting of building new structures that could be a white elephant in a few months yeah. and then cutting down trees because you know trees uh, 
give us oxygen and provide clean air mm. for Metro Manila. And that's also part of health. And I think that's also part of life. Uh, but like I said, our position has always been um, we will follow the law. And if there's an EO saying that cut down trees, then that's the decision of the president. But the board um, is bound by environmental laws and needs to follow. Okay, okay. Of course, you said you said that uh, that is the decision of the president. But would that be wise to actually cut down those number that that big a number of uh, trees to give way to a temporary vaccination facility when in fact there might be other open spaces or existing structures that could accommodate a temporary vaccination site? I I wouldn't want to cut down uh, any trees, considering that it takes years for them to grow. Um, Metro Manila is very hot and uncomfortable for its residents. The addition of green and open spaces will really make our lives better with or without a pandemic. We need those trees. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to risk having a very simplistic proposition in this entire issue, that it's uh, a choice between the trees and the vaccination site when in fact there might be other alternatives. Yes, and it's really more than the issue of the trees. It's really about is it legal to allow the private, a private foundation to use uh, land of mm. government. But, but by the way, has your resignation been accepted? I'm still waiting for it to be accepted. Uh, can't you file an, an irrevocable resignation? Well, I, there's no such thing because under the law, a resignation takes effect upon acceptance by the appointing authority. Okay, so you're still waiting for that? Yes. But uh, are you willing to reconsider that decision? No, thank you. <laughs> so you're really intent on resigning, on yes. stepping down. Okay, I'd like to go to the issue of the buffer zone uh, of a protected area. What exactly is allowed? Can this Is this actually allowed? Yung pagtatayo ng vaccination center in a buffer zone. Because we, we need to ask, there's something called the environmental impact assessment process. Yeah. So we need to go through that. So whether it's allowed or not, that's up to the DENR. But that's really going to be pointed out that uh, here there are existing trees. And then there have been um, observations by the bird, a Wild Bird Club as well as scientists of the existence of a thriving ecosystem there. Um, Around January 2020, we, we brought scientists from the University of the Philippines. And uh, as soon as we got in, we saw birds' nests, uh, no, bird eggs on the ground. Mm -hmm. Same observation from the Wild Bird Club last September. Uh, in a two-hour bird watch, they were able to identify at least 25 species. And that's not even, uh, let's say, the full number of birds, uh, considering that it was not the height of migration season. So there could have been more uh, in December or November. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because, uh, while well, of course, human lives are very important, definitely, but if there's another way uh, to be able to accommodate such a vaccination facility without having to cut down those trees and fixing all the legal issues, that would be yeah. the uh, the best scenario. Because, uh, again, it's very difficult to, to confine this conversation in a very as a very simplistic proposition, either yeah. or, no? Yes. So I, okay. we, we, we just want to say, you know, just follow the law. You do what's stated in the Constitution, in the uh, Philippine Auditing Manual, just follow the law. Um, and that's what we're requesting. Attorney Kay Malilong Isberto, thank you for joining us this morning, ma'am. Thank you so much for the invitation. Okay.
And that's our program for today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen again to our interviews on the ANC Matters of Fact podcast available in Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get other exclusive content on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.